Welcome to Next CLT. Next CLT is a business development initiative that focuses on strengthening companies owned by Black, Indigenous people of color in Charlotte. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Eric Lewis with Next CLT. And again, we actually have the pleasure of meeting with Greg Johnson. Let me tell you something about Greg Johnson. He's an entrepreneur. He's a family man. He's just kind of like a renaissance guy. He's the key founder of Next CLT. He's passionate about developing emerging leaders and our, around our community. He has faith in his beliefs. He earns the respect of his peers and the community. He articulates a clear vision. And man, he's self-aware. So just want to introduce you to Greg Johnson, and we'll get kicked off with, you know, asking Greg a few questions. Greg. Yes. What do you wish everybody understood about your role as CEO of your company, Orbital Socket? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. Well, thanks all, first of all, for the uh, introduction. That was very nice of you, and I always enjoy chatting with you and the work that we're doing together. Orbital Socket, uh, I think... The role is hard, I would say, you know, running a marketing company, running any company is challenging, but I think in particular, maybe marketing companies or advertising agencies, which are industries that are changing very dynamically, very rapidly, very significantly. Um, you just really have to stay on top of, you know, technologies and platforms and all the stuff that is sort of evolving constantly around it. So as CEO, even though I'm not doing all the work, I have to be aware of kind of the different dynamics that are going on in the marketplace as it relates to new media. Uh, even when things come up like the metaverse, what is it and how could my clients take advantage of it? Uh, and then find the resources or the skills or the expertise that we need within our company to make sure that we are connecting those things to our clients. So just staying on top of things, making sure that we're constantly evolving, uh, change is 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 kind of the way we do business. We're always changing and evolving and pivoting. And as a CEO, that means, you know, lots of uh, 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 movement and just sort of staying on top of things. Hey, that's fantastic. So I guess as a CEO, you just have to be change able and be able to embrace change as you keep moving. Absolutely. Hey, the COVID crisis has afforded us time for reflection. As we prepare to enter a new area of work, what will change for you in Orbital Socket? I mean, you talked about that, in, you know, technology and everything else. What, el what else will may change? Well, I think there's an ongoing debate around working in person versus hybrid. And uh, we've decided that we're, we're going to extend our team the flexibility of working virtually or hybrid, um, depending on how they best work. And I would say that would be one of the significant changes. I, at the beginning of this COVID era, I thought it would be sort of gloom and doom. And it was for a lot of reasons, but also for our business, because we work in a business that has been and is very collaborative, uh, often to come up with creative ideas and some of the strategic platforms we develop for our clients. We're sitting in a room in front of a whiteboard or you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. Uh, what we learned during the COVID time was that that same dynamic can take place virtually via zoom or some other video platform because there's also tools embedded in those platforms where you can whiteboard ideas and things like that but uh so that one of them would be i think you know this the flexibility of our team to uh work virtually or hybrid but it connects to the bigger idea which is making sure that people have 
enough time for their life that work isn't the it's always the dominant thing that they do wake up do all day and then sort of go to bed thinking about it but i found i have found that people are more productive even myself more productive when we surround when, when there's a buffer and boundaries in our life where we can live our life and and be focused on that at times and then be completely focused on on work i just found that we are all more productive um that way and that's something that came out of sort of the un- unfortunate event of COVID. Wow. You know, we talk about being self-aware and, you know, that's something that I mentioned about you. And so that's an interesting part of that emotional intelligence and that evolution. You are the founder of NextCLT, the Business Accelerator Initiative, and you serve as the chair of the board of directors. What drove you to develop such an organization? Uh, it was really uh, looking at the business landscape in Charlotte. So as a, a black entrepreneur, uh, really looking around, seeing that there were there are, you know, there are other black entrepreneurs, but everyone seemed to be hovering at the same level. And I think of number of employees and revenue. And even statistically, if you look across the country, you know, like I think it's like 70, 80 percent of all black owned businesses are either solopreneurs or it's one person plus one other. And and then they don't ever really get a lot of them never get beyond that, even though a lot of them desire to get beyond that. So that was one part of it. The other part of it was looking at a city like Charlotte, which I think is almost 40 percent black or, you know, and, and a significant portion minority uh, it, it just didn't have it does not have the rep, that representation in the business community. Uh, so you don't see a lot of thriving businesses owned by people of color. and you see it, you know, you can hear about a lot of them, but they're just not a lot that break through. Say, and I think about $10 million in revenue and above, that number gets really small. And so when you think of success in Charlotte and you look at the business community and you look at businesses, you know, you really get a very white picture, you know, and mostly a white male picture in terms of who are those leaders at the top running those biggest, those largest businesses. And I really felt compelled that that had to change if charlotte was ever going to be the city and the region that we all think it is and can be we have to create a a different picture of what success and business looks like and the only way you you do that is you have to kind of roll up your sleeves and get involved in taking us helping us move from where we are now to that that picture of success uh, which looks very diverse and so that was kind of the core motivation uh, for it and having had success in a business and having made a lot of connections and built a lot of relationships felt like there was a lot that I've learned and could leverage in an attempt to help us get there. Again, man, going back to that self-awareness and then your ability to want to help others scale and grow. Where do you see this initiative going in the future? What are some of the obstacles you see currently? I think like with any sort of startup effort period, I just think part of it is sticking to it, <laughs> just continuing to grind it out when it gets tough or when it gets, you know, there's an excitement when things first happen, both inside of you or the person who's starting it and a community perhaps even. But then over time, as you know, you don't have to get too much too far down the road where some of that initial fumes of excitement wears off. And so it's, I think this in this stage is keeping the fire lit and making sure that the vision is clear and that people are connecting to the vision. Um, but ultimately, I think where it goes is 
Um, you know, what, what I think needs to happen is making sure that we get more people involved, more companies, more elements, more aspects of our community involved, more businesses aware of what we're doing, more entrepreneurs aware of what we're doing so that we, uh, you know, get to that goal that we're trying to accomplish. Thanks for that. I'm going back to an early statement you made about uh, your marketing company and using the whiteboard as, you know, a place for collaboration. What's one initiative on your whiteboard that wasn't there 30 days ago? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think probably we've, we've talked a lot more about developing original content because we have being in the creative services business, you sit around and you come up with lots of different types of ideas for clients. I would say that what we have focused a little bit more on is uh, what are some of those things that we can create out of our company that may take on a life of their own from a content perspective and think it could be anything from some long format content like a book or even some video content, you know, different things that we have dreamed up that are that could focus in some specific areas. So more on that later, but we've just been brainstorming and kicking around some ideas around that. Okay. So, you know, brainstorming as you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things, what things do you read? What things do you do? I mean, you talked about the fact that technology, but what things do you read? And along those same lines is, you know, you talk about, you know, t- staying in place and, and having people balance their life, so to speak. What do you do in that space? What do you read and w- how do you relax, so to speak, keeping it simple? Uh, okay, so I'm always re- I'm not always relaxing when I read, but um, because of what I'm gonna how I'm gonna answer that question, I read a lot of nonfiction. I mostly read nonfiction books, and I would say that's how I one of the ways, one of the key ways that I stay on top of uh, things in terms of you know emerging ideas and and what what are thought leaders saying about some of the big ideas, whether it's our economy or whether it's uh, the field specifically that I'm in, which is marketing, or whether it is um, the entertainment business so or something related. So I read a lot of nonfiction. I rarely ever, I mean, I do, I, I force myself to read fiction because that's where I, I think you have to relax and sort of turn your mind off a little bit. So I'll, I'll read um, some nonfiction um, and, but a lot of it, I mean, sorry, some fiction, excuse me, but a lot of it is nonfiction. And I also read things that are, and, and listen to podcasts will be the other thing, which are beautiful things because you can sort of digest those very easily. But I, I tend to read and listen to things that are outside of my industry. Uh, so whether it's, um, you know, some some industries that I like are like the, the food industry. So David Chang just had just came out with a book called Eat a Peach. Um, David Chang is a, you know, I think a, Michelin three three time Michelin star um, chef and has you know Momofuku and a bunch of really phenomenal restaurants all over the America and the world. But he wrote a, a memoir, and so it talks about his journey as a chef and creating these amazing Michelin star businesses. But I read it not because I'm a chef or in the industry at all, because I le- I'm learning things about how another great leader approaches solving problems in a in an unrelated industry. But but it, there are definitely things that I can borrow from that to apply to my business. 
Um, probably one of the other industries that I look at a lot is the fashion industry because, A, it's one of the most creative industries, but there's also a lot of business strategy that goes into it. They're coming up with ideas 18 months to 24 months in advance that won't show up in a, before it shows up in a store or in a retail outlet. And so just that that kind of thinking that goes into and creativity and strategy and planning that goes into that kind of future casting is something that is important to me and my business. And I learn a lot, you know, from them as well. And I'm just inspired by their creativity as well. Um, did you ask me what I do for fun? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I travel a lot for fun. <laughs> um, I, I, I go to different places. My wife and I just like to travel. We're, we're kind of wanderers. Um, and what a lot of people, well, I would say something that came out of COVID, that COVID time for me personally, um, was something that when you ask people how they're doing, they always say, oh, I'm really busy. And then they'll go on to say, you know, what they were doing. And I found that it's become sort of this badge of honor to be busy for some reason in, in our, in the world and our society. And I just decided that I just wasn't going to be busy like that all the time anymore. And I was going to take time for myself and for my family and to enjoy life. Because if we learn nothing else during COVID is that life is fragile and that time is not, you know, we're not guaranteed anything. So when I say I'm busy, it usually includes I've carved out this big chunk of time for myself and hang out and do something that I want to do. And, and, and it's non-negotiable for me. And so that's when I'm like, I'm, you know, we do take trips. We RV camp trips. We do lots of other trips. We do stuff around the city. That's just, you know, for fun. I do stuff, you know, go on hikes and stuff by myself. So it's just, it's, um, it's just making sure that I've committed to that time for myself. Learning a lot about you in this podcast, and you know, when you talk about reading fiction and the fashion industry, the food industry, in that marketing world, so you're almost like a futurist in that space of kind of like looking at how things correlate to your industry through others, right? And then, man, taking time for yourself and family and then making it non-negotiable. I know your family uh, likes that. Um, I know you have some kids. I know the kids sometimes say, ah, you know, I spent too much time with dad and mom. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, but it's a great thing. It it creates such wonderful memories. And then the fact that you're intentional about that, that's fantastic to hear. Hey, along those lines of, you know, looking at things from different lenses— What's been the biggest failure in the last year and why do you think that happened in your world? Um, I'm not, well, I don't know if it was the last year. I think it was probably within the last year. I think when I talked at the beginning about changing and pivoting, I would say um, not recognizing uh, fast enough that 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 needs to be a regular part of, of our, of my business model. And maybe doing some things that were say more traditional in scope as it relates to marketing and advertising, hanging on to those more because that's where I'm comfortable. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm very good at certain aspects of it. And and so maybe trying to be the guy that uh, has the big ideas and are and are leading people, but you know, and to want to come up with ideas themselves, but feeling like I needed to have a heavier hand of control and all of that and staying the course with some of the 
more traditional th- ways of doing this business. And I would say that was a mistake and hindered our growth as a business. And over the past 12 to 18 months, after recognizing this, bringing in younger people, giving them more authority and responsibility, um, actually stepping out of the primary leadership role in my company and really turning that over to someone else. And and whereas I'm more of a, you know the chairman of the board, advisor, um, certainly still very involved in every aspect of it, but have other people running it because my view is different when I'm not in it so deeply. I can actually add a lot more value because there are lots of other young, bright, energetic minds that are focusing on solving a lot of the issues for our clients. And then I can come in and bring some of that expertise of what I've gleaned over the past 30 years and just be be almost a little bit of an outsider looking in to help tweak and change and turn knobs and do things that gets us to that world-class solution that we are always trying to present to our client. I guess bridging the generation gap and being a leader who is not afraid to be uncomfortable uh, leading from either the side, the front, or the back. Um, what's one thing that you that your work did for your client that you didn't expect? I think we hoped when we started Socket, my wife and I started Socket eight years ago, I think we hoped that and dreamed that it would be work that is transformational, meaning it would create lots of growth opportunities for companies, for businesses all over America, um, and certainly here in this region. I would say one thing that has happened as a, that I don't know that we have put our finger on as much is the, the impact that it has on people. And so obviously, you know, people's livelihoods are, are wrapped up in their jobs. And so when they see the kind of focus and dedication and commitment that we have to solving problems and helping them really be successful, it has, I'm surprised at how often it has evoked an emotional response from people and how they will say things like, you know, and to some degree it has been life-changing in some ways because of the, I think the commitment that they see from us and the, and then the work that we do and then some of the results that they get uh, in terms of business growth or moving initiatives forward. And then the appreciation that they express as a result of the work that we do and the impact that we're making. And we kind of, so that's become a part of, I think, our company DNA now. We are not just thinking about the business part of it, but we're thinking about the people part of it. And we have a little manifesto statement that talks about um, human humans are at the center of it all. And so we don't ever want to lose that sense of we're doing work for companies, but we're, we're actually working with people and we're trying to impact people's lives. And that's, uh, uh, I think, a, something I didn't expect to necessarily emerge as we were going down this road of starting this company that has emerged and it's been a wonderful uh, retreat. Greg, as you talk about a people first strategy and mindset, you've used that same mindset with Next CLT. And so why is Next CLT important for entrepreneurs of color in this city and county and black indigenous people of color? I think because we identified a certain segment of businesses that they have great leaders 
that have great business propositions that have done a lot of things right and but have run it up against what we'll call some of the systemic barriers that prevent often prevent companies owned by people of color from getting to that next level of success and some of those barriers are are things that are embedded deeply in our society and in our culture uh, a lot of them have to do with you know, access to networks. So if you don't know the right people in a city like Charlotte, it is very difficult to be successful. I'm not saying that you can't be. And we, we in Next DLT, we are coaching our leaders to have a mindset of resilience and and just sort of fortitude and a stick to itness that gets to that next level of success. And we come alongside of them in this area of you know access to networks and social capital where you can where we can put them in the rooms and in in the offices of the right people that can make decisions about whether they're going to do business with them and and because they are great leaders with great companies and great ideas when you unlock that door uh, it has an exponential impact on their business growth because one meeting with the right company can be that foundational client or move that needs to be made to open up many other doors for you because a lot of the times people won't work with you unless they know you've worked with Duke Energy or Atrium Health or Bank of America or you know you name it in our in our truest or one of the other uh, significant companies in our our footprint. So we believe that the way that we the that what we do at Next CLT is significant in terms of unlocking those um, opportunities for these companies and and for the companies of color it is again it is game changing i don't even know it is just absolutely game changing because a lot of them perhaps didn't even know that some of those networks existed and those people existed in those roles that these companies existed that had the power to affect their outcomes the way that they have yeah, you know, I agree with that uh, totally. Um, this weekend, I had the benefit of watching Who We Are by Jeffrey Robinson, the Netflix special. You talked about, uh, you know, systemic barriers that are put in place for Black, Indigenous, people of color. As we move forward, and for next CLT, maintaining business continuity and financing is always a thought in any time period for businesses, for nonprofits, how can we lean on the ecosystem, donor, sponsor, financial givers during this period of disruption to kind of like help build momentum? You said it's short-lived in some areas where people are kind of like, you know, sh- short focus, but how can we lean on in during this period on those sponsors, financial givers, et cetera? I think it's important that vision is always important. So people need to see not only at first they need to see what's possible and then they need to see what is happening. And we need to take them along on that journey with us and be vigilant about that. So, so I think part of it is making sure that we never lose touch with um, those spot, those sponsors and those donors and, making sure that they're we're finding ways to bring them along for the ride if you will so that they get they get all the excitement that we see and feel every day as we are working with these these companies and entrepreneurs and then 
beating the drum of helping people understand that this is a new offering and a new kind of a, um, a tool to enrich our biz- the business community in Charlotte uh, because of, I think, the level of owner and company that we're working with and the type of support that we're giving them. So this is not, these are not like, this is not about scraping people up off the ground. This is about putting um, more fuel in a, in a rocket that's art that is flying already so that it can get where it's going more efficiently, faster, better, and get there. And so we want people to see that possibility that we're talking about transforming the business community here in Charlotte. It is going to look different and you want to be a part of that difference. You want to be, you want this to be a part of the story that your company is telling two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, when you look at the hundreds of companies by then that will have been impacted by NextCLT and the hundreds of jobs that will have been created and the millions and millions of economic impact that will, will have resulted from the work that we're doing and, and helping them understand the vision for that so that they will want to be on, on board with this exciting, maybe one of the most exciting things that's going on in the business community in Charlotte. Hey, Greg, you know, thank you so very much for taking the time, for taking us through the journey of orbital socket to next CLT to how you relax, how you shift, how you've changed and embraced change, and how you've taken next CLT from possibility to actuality. Thank you so much for taking the time. I uh, greatly appreciate it. Uh, well, you know, look forward to many more years of helping NextCLT build, grow, and prosper. Wonderful. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast, and thank you for all that you're doing to make NextCLT possible. I mean, we just we just wouldn't be where we are without you. So we really appreciate you and the commitment and the work that you've put forth. And again, same here. Just looking forward to a lot of more years of of great things happening through this work.